0: Accounting Influences Broadcast Network presents Insights in Accounting. Insights in Accounting. Sponsored by World First. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Welcome to the Insights in Accounting podcast with me, Rob Brown. On behalf of the Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network, flying solo today without my usual co-host, Martin Bissett. We're going to pick up on a piece today from Carbon HQ, written by their CEO and founder, Stuart McLeod. The title of the piece, we'll put the link in the show notes, is What even is work? Thoughts on our post-pandemic reality. And Stuart opens up, it's the end of the work world, as we know it, and the great migration, hybrid work environments, work inflation, wage inflation, pardon me, sometimes feels like it's the, a working world spinning out of control, hurtling towards an unknown new normal that has yet to reveal itself. Starts so like the opening of a book, doesn't it? So Stuart asks, is the office on a fast track to extinction? We hear stories, don't we, of firms giving up? Uh, premium real estate in mid city center locations and downtown locations because it's costing too much and offices are half empty now, hybrid working and everything else. So let's read on and see what Stuart's got to say. Is the office on a fast track to extinction? Will the pendulum swing back to high rises filled with cubicles or is there some happy medium that awaits us in this new world of work? He says 20 years ago, our response to the pandemic wouldn't have been possible. I often ask people, what might the working environment be looked like if the pandemic would have hit us in the middle of the 1980s when there was no remote work, there was no cloud, there was no Skype and Zoom and Teams and things like that. How would we have coped? Uh, Stuart goes on, many of the tech advancements that enable remote work have to do with the evolution of cloud computing. So he starts there. He says, make modern work options possible. And he talks about the brief history of the cloud. And make sure you check out our interview with Kelly Parks, uh, she's got a massive following in the bookkeeping world and did an excellent interview with us recently on what stops accountants going into the cloud. And she's got some really strong thoughts on the in- inhibitors, pardon me, inhibitors that stop accountants moving in, and also some of the benefits and why they should be doing it. So Stuart says, the inner tech nerd is coming out, jumped to the 1990s, cloud infrastructure first came to be it was originally described as the space between provider and end user. And he talks about Salesforce, the CRM was in the cloud, and it's all pretty standard these days. Many SaaS companies emerged over the next decade. And then QBO launched in 2001, Zero was 2006, Zendesk was 2007, the iPhone debuted in 2007. Businesses were able to eliminate their servers generation of mobile capabilities started to allow some aspects of work to be completely handled in the palm of your hand. And many accounting firms did back then and still do run service in their offices because the software didn't involve security issues, possibly, but as mobile capabilities collide with cloud advancements, I love this phrase, many, much of the workforce was able to operate within increasingly flexible frameworks. Like I said again, as mobile capabilities collided with cloud advancements, much of the workforce was able to operate within increasingly flexible frameworks. In tandem, communities started investing in infrastructure, increasing internet speeds to support the changing needs of the workforce. Here's the soundbite. Over the last 20 years, we've lived through a significant era in computing history, witnessing the birth of a new modern architecture that challenges our definitions of work. Stuart then mentions COVID. We cannot not mention COVID. And he says, pre-COVID... Technology enabled remote work, but it was a gradually growing trend. But then COVID, my words now, accelerated our lives and communities as we we're forced into lockdown. Businesses everywhere were thrown into a new way of work. He says the global crisis not only defined our office structures, but pushed us to reevaluate our priorities. Where do I want to live? What's the state of my mental health? Do I wish I had more time for my family? Do I want to work five days a week? Do I want the traditional nine to five? What parts of the world have I yet to explore? I'd add a question to that. Do I want to do a one or two hour commute every day? Do I want to go into an office? And it became about quality of life and about values. And he says, it's no wonder that as a result of the rapid push to remote work, digital nomadism, nomadism is on vogue. In 2021, 65 million Americans reported aspirations to embrace the digital nomad lifestyle. Who would have thought it? That's echoed all over the world individuals are picking up their work lives and taking it where the wind blows. For example, 2.6 million Americans are embracing van life. Hashtag van life. I'm into TikTok. We'll be coming on TikTok soon here at the County Influences. And there are so many great stories about people just going on the road, converting a van on their own or as a couple. And van life, working from the road, is a real-life, genuine option. Meanwhile, others use remote capabilities to embrace extended vacations. I'm thinking back to when I read Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Week, about extended vacations and work on the road. So why work from the same desk five days a week when you can take all your calls from a beach in Costa Rica? It's possible. So where do we go from here? Got a couple of paragraphs left here. It's fascinating stuff that gets us thinking, doesn't it, about the new way of work. As we begin to resume normalcy, normality, we'd say in the UK, things look drastically different. Remote work has become culturally more acceptable. We're not expected, by and large, to go into an office. As a result, increasing numbers of people are taking advantage of remote options. He gives some examples. My accountant recently dialed in for a meeting with me from his newly purchased boat another example i recorded an episode of the accounting leaders podcast this is their podcast from my hotel room in mexico whilst on vacation with my family another example others i know are moving in pursuit of communities not yet ravaged by climate change and lastly Recently, a Carbon customer shared on LinkedIn how remote working allows him to balance the responsibilities of parenthood. These are all real-life examples. Digital nomadism isn't just about the working professional who picks a new country to visit each quarter. It's about the ability to build more flexible lives and embrace our values. It's about living the life you've always wanted. I talk in my book, Build Your Reputation. You can find this on Amazon with the publishers, Wiley, about our desire for autonomy, control, flexibility, choice in our careers. And we do that by building up career capital, which is things that you can trade in exchange for flexibility and autonomy with your job. So Ian concludes by asking, do we need a work-life balance paradigm shift? He says, for some reason, there's a knee-jerk reaction to taking a call from certain locations... (laughs) (laughs) like on the beach or in your home. People have been apprehensive about this, but can we judge now? The reality is we can choose to take meetings on vacation. We don't have to, but we can choose. And we can choose our work week now. We can block off multiple days if we have to. There's choice. As an employee, you should have choice with your employer right now. And if they're laying down the law and saying you've got to come into the office five days a week and work 50, 60, 70 hours, that perhaps isn't the employer for you. So you get choice, you get to make some judgment and you can recalibrate work-life balance. And work-life balance is nothing new, Stuart McLeod says, but... Much of the narrative surround it is in finding strategies to prevent work from infiltrating our free time. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of us fail at these efforts. There is a blaring, isn't there, of lines with work and personal. So maybe we'll fail because we're solving the wrong problem. Work-life balance conversations are rooted in notions about what work should and shouldn't be. Don't work late at night. Don't work on the weekends. Don't check your phone for emails while on vacation. Unplug, unplug, unplug. Now he's all for unplugging, he says, but What that looks like for me is unlikely to look the same for others. So maybe we're failing because we're approaching work-life balance from the wrong angle. Who am I to pass judgment on someone who vacations in Costa Rica, but decides still to take my meeting requests? If that's what they want to do, all the more power to them. And this speaks to you accountants, bookkeepers, finance people out there, to your clients. How would they feel about you taking calls when you were not in the office, when you were on the road or having a day off, or they were on the road, or they were on the beach. The game's changing, isn't it? The rules of the game are changing. If it's what they want to do, more power to them. Final caveat here, there's a difference between wanting to peruse your emails while on vacation because it puts your mind at ease and it gives you the feeling you've got a bit of control and then feeling you must check your work emails for fear your performance reviews will suffer. So leaders have got to understand how these blurred lines between work life and home life can unintentionally set standards and expectations for teams if not addressed correctly. Last couple of sentences here. It's a really good read. But assuming we're choosing these unconventional approaches to work-life balance, it's time for a shift in thinking as we embrace the new world. They say... It's not a a renewing of things. It's a reset. It's a reboot, if you like. But not even a reboot. When you reboot a computer, you turn it off, you turn it back on, and everything looks the same. It's a reset because the rules of the game have changed. So Ian uh, Stewart concludes, in today's society, when we're constantly dialed in, what even is work these days? He says there's no right answer. It's about being true to yourself, defining what works for you, and finding a good employer, employee fit. So go for it. Start embracing your own definitions of work-life balance. Thank you, Stuart McLeod. Thank you, Carbon. I don't know Stuart personally, heard good things, but that's a well-written piece. It's a provocative piece because it's right to ask these questions. In the new world, what does your work-life balance look like? Are you recalibrating? You don't necessarily have to resign, but the ideal career is work on your terms. Work you love on your terms. I write that in my reputation book. To get work that you love on your terms, nobody's gonna give that to you on a plate. You've got to earn it. You've got to build career capital to trade for it. And you've got to have tough conversations to ask for it. And you've got to know what you want. And if you can do your job riding in a van around the country, make the case for it. It could happen. It's the new world of work. You're welcome to it. We're all living it. Live the dream, make some smart choices. Thanks for tuning into Insights in Accounting. And we'll see you on the next show. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Insights in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Giving you the edge, the latest news, analysis, and recommendations in the accounting and fintech world. Sponsored by World First.